ate him. You turn on that machine and it's reckless endangerment. He used to bring beautiful women here, eat fine meals, drink fine wine, listen to music, but it always ended in screaming. This guy's into some weird shit. Something's coming. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. I'm getting a hundred cups of coffee, starting now. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Coffee machine? One cup of coffee, please. What an excellent day for an exorcism. My name is Jerry, and I'm a tabletop gamer who loves horror movies, but I dislike anything that tastes like coffee. And I'm John, and I love horror movies and coffee. And from the space between dimensions where eldritch creatures conspire with him to steal our bodies. Our producer, Chris. Welcome to <clears throat> Coffee Flavored Horror, where we talk about the good, the bad, the horrifying, and the horrifyingly cheesy. Speaking of horrifyingly cheesy, let's get to the talking from beyond with Jerry and John. And so this week we're talking about From Beyond from 1986. Trigger warning. <laughs> There is some sexual assault in this movie. Some? <laughs> is there a lot? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's one scene. Oh, okay. Cool. So who is this directed by there, uh, there, Gian? It's directed by Stuart Gordon from Reanimator, Dagon, Castle Freak, Robot Jock. He also wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> you did the thing again. I didn't want to stop you, but you said Reanimator instead of Reanimator? Reanimator. Animator. It's animator. Like animation. Like animation? Reanimator, right? You Re- keep saying Aminator. Amin- it's fine. It's <laughs> funny. John, who's the star? We have Jeffrey Combs from Reaminator, Castle Freak, a whole bunch of Star Trek, and the Frighteners. We also have Barbara Crampton, who is in Reanimator, Castle Freak, Your Next, Lords of Salem, and Chopping Mall. I gotta ask a question. Do we think it's Reaminator or Reanimator? Because we've said it both ways now on the show. Anyways, what's the next one? We have Ted Sorrell from Basket Case 2 and Who Do I Get to Kill? Then we have Carolyn Purdy Gordon, who is from Reaminator. Yeah, I'm just gonna right. call it that now. Reaminator, <laughs> Castle Freaks, Dolls, and most of the movies made by her husband, Stuart Gordon. Plus Space Truckers, right? Yeah, Space Truckers too. We have Ken Furry from Lords of Salem, The Devil's Rejects, and Dawn of the Dead. All right, let's move on to the box office. So it only made 1.2 million dollars on a budget of 4.5 million. Yeah, this was a <laughs> uh, a, a flop at the theater, but it made a lot more on VHS. It made a ton on VHS. This movie made its money back in spades. Because everybody loves Lovecraft, as long as they don't have to spend a movie ticket to go watch it. Yes. <laughs> well, I also determined that, that there wasn't a lot of Lovecraft out at that time. Mm-hmm. This was, while the rest of them, while most of the movie is made up out of whole cloth, it feels like a Lovecraft thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of Lovecraft nods in it. And, you know, this is in the golden age of HBO. So once it was on HBO, it showed all the time and they got paid a lot of money for it. I can't believe I never saw this movie. I've never seen this movie. I used to watch HBO constantly when I was a kid. Anyways, let's move on to the premise of the movie or the plot synopsis. Okay, we start with Dr. Crawford Tillinghast, played by Jeffrey Combs, starting up the resonator he developed with his mentor, Dr. Ebert Pretorius, who's played by Ted Sorrell. The machine, constructed in the attic of Pretorius's home, is designed to stimulate the pineal glands. When the machine is turned on, strange eels suddenly appear in the air, and then they can see Crawford as well. Ooh, creepy. Crawford turns the machine off to hide from the monsters. However, once he tells Pretorius, Edward turns the resonator back on, keeping Crawford away. That seems like a bad idea. As lights flash and otherworldly winds swirl, Pretorius announces that something's coming. Just like that, huh? Mm-hmm. Nice. A neighbor calls the cops and Crawford is arrested. He tells the cops it ate Pretorius. 
The cops can only find the resonator, broken by Crawford, and Pretorius's bloodless body. However, the head is still missing. Oh, God. Tillinghast is taken to a psychiatric hospital, where he is under the care of Dr. Block, played by Carolyn Purdy Gordon, and Dr. Catherine McMichaels, played by Barbara Crampton. So, a CT scan shows that Crawford's pineal gland has grown. So, Catherine convinces the police to later take him back to the house to examine the machine. They assign Detective Bubba Brownlee, played by Ken Faree, and he's assigned to accompany them and is investigating Pretorius's death. At the home, Crawford rebuilds the machine. Meanwhile, Catherine in Brownlee examines the place, finding Pretorius's bondage room, along with tapes showing him torturing women. Jesus. Jesus. What is going on here? Okay. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> the trio begin to experience mental throbbing as their pineal glands are stimulated, and Crawford tells them that the glands also has to do with... Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I didn't read this beforehand, so no. Yep. Okay, all right. Anyways, okay. They turn the machine back on. I'm foreshadowing. The trio begin to experience mental throbbing as their pineal glands are stimulated, and Crawford tells them that the gland also has to do with sexual stimulation. Boom, chicka, boom, boom. Boom, boom. Then monsters appear, attacking Bubba before he throws them off. Crawford explains the monsters and the humans can only see each other and interact when the resonator is on, and that they are attracted to movement. Soon a naked and slime-covered Pretorius appears. He explains that his consciousness has been expanded. He now lives in a world of pleasure following his death. So we're like living in what? We're living in uh, Hellraiser land right now? Exactly. Yes. Again. Once again. Once again? I mean, that seems like a theme here for horror movies. Mm-hmm. Anyways, when Edward attacks the others with his slimy appendages, oh, we're in a little tentacle horror going on here now, too, Crawford shuts off the machine, causing Pretorius to vanish. Catherine tries to convince the others to turn the machine back on because she thinks studying it will help schizophrenia patients, but the others refuse. But they decide to stay the night in the house with the monster summoning machine. That sounds like a bad idea. It's a terrible idea. Why would you? No. Okay, you know what? We'll get to that later. We'll we'll talk about (laughs) it. Anyways, that night, while Crawford and Bubba sleep, Catherine turns the machine back on for some ungodly, unknown reason. Right? Well, because she's being stimulated by the, by the pineal gland thing. Yeah. So, once it's on, a more mutated Pretorius shows up, now sparting a pineal tentacle from his forehead. He attacks Catherine, sexually assaulting her and preparing to eat her as well. Jesus. Okay. Unable to get to the resident Crawford and Brownlee head to the basement to just shut off the circuit breaker. That's smart. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. That seems like a good idea. You, you spoke too soon. Oh, okay. In the basement, <laughs> they find a dole-like worm monster. Oh, God, that's bad. For those who don't know what a dole is, it's not, it's not pretty. Anyways, it attacks Tillingast, nearly swallowing him whole. Luckily, Bubba stabs the creature and then yanks out the power cables for the breaker, causing the worm and Pretorius to disappear once again. We win! Crawford survives, though he's battered and all his hair has been sucked off by the worm. <laughs> In the aftermath, Bubba prepares to help everyone leave. However, Catherine is partially mesmerized by her stimulated pineal gland. So, she dresses in some of Pretorius' victim's bondage gear. She goes in to seduce Crawford as he is recovering, but Brownlee intervenes. Hmm. Then, the cables in the basement arc otherworldly energy and reconnect to the breakers, causing the resonator to restart on its own. We lose! When everyone reaches the attic, they are attacked by a swarm of flesh-eating bugs. Bubba sacrifices himself to the bugs. So Catherine and Crawford get away. In the chaos, Catherine manages to use a fire extinguisher to short out the resonator. Smart. Saving herself and Crawford. Though Brownlee is stripped to the bone by the bugs. Bad. Survivors are taken back to the psychiatric ward, where Catherine is hauled away for shock treatment due to her relating Crawford's wild claims. Meanwhile, Dr. Block begins examining Crawford, 
but he sprouts his own pineal forehead tentacle and kills the doctor by eating part of her brain. Oh, God. By sucking it out of her eye. Mm-hmm. Really? That yes. happened? Yes. yes. That's fantastic. Anyways, Crawford escapes, killing a few more orderlies on the way out. This creates enough distraction that Catherine is able to escape from the sadist preparing to give her electroshock. Crawford and Catherine arrive separately at the house, though Catherine now has a dynamite bomb on the timer. So this is a Call of Cthulhu adventure at this point. At this point, yes. Yeah, okay. She places the bomb and, on the resonator, and Crawford attacks her, binding her with the bondage cuffs and chains in the attic. During the struggle, Pactorius uses his otherworldly influences to turn the machine back on. Jesus, this guy just, just won't go away, huh? No, he won't. Why haven't they just destroyed this machine at this point? We're well, getting there. Okay. That's what the dynamite's for. Where do they get the dynamite from? It doesn't matter. We'll talk about, we'll talk about <laughs> later. However, Catherine bites off Crawford's pineal tentacle. Meh, meh, okay, that, that's fair. Returning his conscious control. The now monstrous Pretorius turns into a creature resembling Amigo and attacks Crawford, swallowing really? killing gas. Yes. Really? It turns into like a bug-like Amigo thing? Yes. That's awesome. Yep. We'll discuss what those look like later on. Meanwhile, Catherine moves her wrists in the air to get the flying eels to attack the restraints, and they chew through, allowing her to free herself. Oh, smart. That's smart. But Pretorius returns and attacks Catherine. However, Crawford fights back, partly emerging from the tentacle Pretorius. The pair fight and with Crawford struggling to give Catherine enough time to escape. She leaps from the window just as the bomb explodes, destroying the attic, the resonator, and both Pretorius and Crawford. Pretorius! As the neighbors arrive, Catherine, with a horribly broken leg, repeats Crawford's words from the beginning of the movie. It ate him. End credits. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. This is a movie, huh? It's a very good movie. It's I a lot of fun. I don't want to see it like remade today. Yes, it would be very I would good. like to see it remade today. The only problem is I'm not, not sure who you'd get to play. You really need somebody who can, who can carry the, the movie like, like Jeffrey Combs did. Oh, you mean in the battery scene? Yeah, we just get the guys who did uh, Fifty Shades. And there's tons of... <laughs> you're, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. We... John, John, this is the moment, everybody, that John got fired. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we may actually have a real horror murder occur right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's talk about some factors that you might want to bring up. The first is that Barbara Crampton later on sold her dominatrix outfits at a, at a yard sale. Oh, did really? Get some decent money for it? We don't know, but I would assume so. Oh, I mean, right. It's Barbara Crampton's... Crampton's Yard sale. I'm sure she made a lot of money. I'm sure she did. Probably. Mm -hmm. They had medical staff on hand to make sure the medical procedures were uh, were accurate. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's neat, right? right? And why not? Right? That's that. You should do that in Hollywood films. Yeah, I think so. Makes a little more believable. Mm -hmm. But hey, and Pretorius is named after Septimus Pretorius, who in the novel Frankenstein is the mentor of Henry Frankenstein, who convinces him to make the monster. I was going to ask you if his name meant something. It does. I just like saying Pretorius because no. Okay, let's talk about the good. Yeah, pretty decent special effects. I mean, for the time. And they were practical. Yes. And it was in a time period where they really only had mostly practical. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was actually a a real life slime monster. (laughs) They do a really good job with a lot of superimposition. Like when the creatures that are like the flying eels and the tentacle monsters Mm -hmm. that are floating in the air around them. Mm -hmm. It's obvious to us that it's superimposed like a double shot, but it still looks good. They looked ghostly and it, it works pretty well. Now, this is a movie that, despite all the special effects, is really carried by the actors. And the actors do a really good job, especially Jeffrey Combs. I mean, have we talked about something that Jeffrey Combs has been in where he wasn't exceptional? Not yet. Not yet. We will get there. Okay. We will get to a movie where that he's in. I'm not sure if I'm going to say he wasn't exceptional. Like, these movies are carried by him. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. There are movies he's in where he's not the main actor, and that, that's still different. I also just love the fun story. This is a good science horror it's got a little bit more action than your average Lovecraft story would take, but I thought they kept true to the feeling of uh, an HP Lovecraft kind of story 
without all the racism. <laughs> this sounds like a post Lovecraft Cthulhu mythos story that has a little bit more shotguns v Cthulhu stuff inside of it. Yeah. This is the kind of Cthulhu story that Robert Block would have written. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Hence why Dr. Block is. Oh, nice. okay. Robert Block wrote Psycho, by the way. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, nice. That, that's what he's famous for. He wrote a lot of other really good stuff, but Psycho is what he's famous for. John, what did you think about the monsters in this film? Oh, the monsters in this film was great. You have this weird, I don't know, a slimy gook, Pretorius guy in the attic chilling out. You have flying little eels throughout the air. He turns into a giant bug. That's the Migo, by the way. That's an Amigo. I still don't know what it is. It's mm-hmm. an extra dimensional being that knows how to use technology that wants to just mess with human beings. They're essentially the greys, but if they were way more malevolent and extra dimensional. Then, yeah, he actually turns into Amigo then. Yep. And then you have a giant, like, dune worm in the, you know, that's the, the basement. That, that's the dole. <laughs> the dole. It, it's the great. Dole. You have little, like, tentacles popping out people's foreheads. Yeah, those who haven't seen a, what Dono Dole is, if you've seen the sandworms from, from the dune movies, they look kind of like that. Their mouths open with five different sets of lips. And yeah. So, yeah. So the tremor? Kind of the tremor, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the, the tremor monsters are essentially dulls. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like, that's where the... I'm pretty sure if we were going to trace back the origination of those creatures, oh, that's guarantee. where they come from. Yes. You'd be surprised the amount of horror stuff that is directly derived from H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, it's a yeah. lot. Yes, a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yes. Another really good thing is uh, Catherine has her hands chained up in the attic. She uh, noticed that the, the little ill things, you know, they get attracted by movement. So she starts shaking her hands and the little thing's like, and like bites her, bites her free. It's a good thing she can get her hands bitten off in the process. Yeah, right? Well, she stopped moving once, once they bit through the cuffs. Oh, okay. And she then, she kinda, yeah, then she wiggles her other hand and they bite through. It's fun. I, I, I actually enjoyed it. Like, oh, how's she going to get out of here? And, oh, really? They're eating through? Okay. No, I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> it's, it's a character using the rules set up by the movie yeah. to, to, to follow through, which I thought was good. All right, well, that's the good. Let's talk about the bad. There's a scene later on in the movie when Tillinghast has his little pineal tentacle coming out of his forehead that he looks at Dr. Block and they do this really bad like, CGI <laughs> brain thing where he like sees her brain in her head. A it CGI is, brain thing in 1986? Was it like in superimposed? It, it, it wasn't even CGI. It was just that thing like where they do like like computer... Like it was a, like bad predator vision. Yeah, like bad predator vision. That's exactly that. That is perfect. Bad predator vision. It's not good. It's, it's not good. It, but it is I, the worst special effect in the movie. Yes, but it's still kind of fun. They're like, oh, so that's what they really see now with their little perineal gland. Yep, I guess. Yeah. I just want to know one thing: was where the hell did she get the dynamite Doesn't from? Matter. Yes, it's like she, you don't understand. She like walks out the attic and like there's a bag landing. Like, oh, look, dynamite! I'll just use this convenient thing. No, she gets it out of her car. She gets out of the she car. She just drives around with dynamite. She gets, she gets out of the car. And she pulls the bag out. It's not just dynamite. It's eight sticks of dynamite yes. b- bound together professionally with a little timer yes. like snapped onto them. This is not something somebody slapped together in five minutes. This is it's awesome. This is the so kind of thing. either she's a doctor <laughs> slash bomb maker, or she what? stopped and paid for this. <laughs> I would vote that stop and paid for this is probably the thing. I don't know, because I kind of like the doctor slash bomb maker. Where do you buy a dynamite bomb like that? I mean, just stop by a construction site in 1986 and just walk onto it, grab it, and tape it together? You wouldn't have that kind of setup. I mean, this is a safe crackers bomb kit. Now, if, like, she grabbed the cop's car and this was evidence in the back, that would have made sense. It's that the would, one, no, it's terrible. I would have believed that. Yeah. That's, it, okay, it is horrible. Whatever. So the okay. doctor bomb maker. I don't know. I'm not trying to defend it. I just yeah. think it's funny. It is, oh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's great, but okay. John, what else you got? Besides the dynamite. Why is everything all slimy, wet, and goop covered? Oh, I can answer this question. Oh. Because it's gross and horrifying. Yes, but everything is either wet, slimy, or goopy. Because it is a realm of pleasure. 
and and they're trying to put you know they're the moist pink mucus light i mean if you're doing it right there should be lubrication so i mean that whole thing it's supposed to be sexually suggestive gross yeah i didn't get that part last one jeffrey Combs' character just gets you know attacked by that worm thing and the only room apparently that they decide to bring this injured man to is the bondage attic I don't think so. I think they put him back in his room. I think, I think, I think she, which is the bondage attic. No, I think that she goes into the room that had all of the bondage gear in it and gets dressed up and then goes into his room. No, he's in there. Oh, he is. They keep bringing everyone to the bondage attic. Okay. (laughs) It's like, there's no other rooms in this house. Well, that leads to, uh, that leads to Jerry's like last point here for the bad. I'm not through when movies try to just use BDSM as the method the villain uses. I mean, he's doing this against non-consenting victims and that's just bad. This is the 50 shades of gray problem. That it, it, it sheds a bad light on this. It's, 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 it's very much a, a pure it's a nice room, though. So it's a very nice room, but that's not how you use BDSM. All right, let's move on to the cheesy. One of the main cheesy things is, seems like all the doctors are smoking in the hospital. I have no idea what the culture is of the 80s. I can't remember. I guess it's a thing. You smoked everywhere in the 80s. I don't yeah. remember it, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you I smoked mean, I everywhere. Was, I was seven, so... I was, yeah, but yeah, I think that, yeah, I guess maybe because it's so normal, like an everyday thing, you just kind of like glance over it. I yeah. mean, that's an 80s thing, I suppose. Yeah, smoking didn't become a big no-no as far as actually like not having, like you could still smoke in restaurants. I remember you could still smoke in restaurants in like 99. Yeah. A bunch of you know, my friends, we used to go to like Denny's and just order coffee and be sitting there smoking all night, drinking coffee. Yeah, yep, that was great. a thing. Okay. It was great, you it, said. Yes, it was, it was great. great. <laughs> For being 18? Yeah, it was great. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I never liked people that smoked. It was never a thing for me. It bothered me. I have a big thing about that, but we'll talk about that now. Anyways, Go ahead. Uh, what's the next thing? Crawford tells Pretorius that the device is working, but doesn't tell him, and I got bit in the face by an eel when yes. it turned on. Like, at no point tells him that. He's got this big scar on his face that's bleeding. No mention of it whatsoever. That's really funny. So after Pretorius gets eaten, they have the Snoopy uh, lady from next door. You know, she goes inside the house and sees what all the screaming's about. And Crawford comes running down the stairs and she's like, she's right now too. She's like, ah, ah, and she stops like in mid scream and it's like, ah, oh, stops at the stairway. So Crawford could run by her screaming. That's funny. It's, it's great. But just the scene where Tillagast, they pull him out of the dole and now he's got no hair in his head. No hair, no eyebrows. <laughs> yes, he's just bald with no eyebrows. It's just, it's cheesy. Another thing is uh, when uh, Pretorius has the, turns into one of these little tentacle things. You can actually see Catherine like holding it onto herself. It's that <laughs> nice. strong. And she's like, her own hands are like, oh, oh no. <laughs> I, love, I love that cheese. In it, it's movies. great. Yes. <laughs> I got to admit that while Catherine getting all decked out in the mistress bondage gear is explaining the plot, then it's nice to look at. It does feel a little exploitive. I mean, Barbara Crampton did this in all the movies she did with Stuart Gordon. Yeah. So by now we know from the reanimator thing that a lot of these were either her idea or she was 100% on board with it. So she wasn't being exploited, but it just, you're like, for no reason, let's just put the main, the only female character in this movie in bondage gear. She was probably like, I want to look hot. That being said, when Crawford runs out of the basement, Bubba comes running out of his bedroom wearing nothing but purple Speedos. And so, <laughs> All right, so that's something you want to see, man. You get to see Bubba running around too. So there you go. Th- there, there's equal opportunity nudity in this movie. But some of the character effects in this movie, it's definitely uh, very cheesy, but they're all fun. Every special effect in this movie, down to the super slimy, goopy monster, tentacle guys, to the little pineal gans coming out. You know, it's, they're all fun little special effects. It's, it's really an uh, enjoyable movie to actually watch. All right, let's move on to the horrific. First, 
just Dr. Pretorius in all of his forms. He starts out as a creepy doctor who's obsessed with turning this machine back on even though it'll kill people. Then he becomes a sadistic rapist, followed by this hybrid slime monster who's naked. And then he, his head folds back and he gets a big beak coming out of his mouth later on. He shows up again as this giant tentacle monster with a long neck. Then he turns into Amigo. So for those who don't know what Amigo is, it looks like a like dog-sized flying bug, except that where its head would be is just an exposed brain with tentacles and a beak. And so like basically like a brain with a squid mouth under it with tentacles. This is what he turns into to fly after Crawford. He grabs Crawford and twists his head off with the beak. You think they just mesh the uh, metamorphosis by Frank Kafka into this story for Pretorius? I think what they did is they wanted him to keep getting more and more like sexually da- dangerous in the, as the movie went on. He oh, gets okay. more tentacles and all That's that. Fair. And then because Stuart Gordon is a fan of H.P. Lovecraft, when he had a chance to stick a monster in there that looked like something so like, if we're going to have him turn into something, have him turn into Amigo. We have to have an, um, a monster in the basement. Let's make it a dole. And so it was just, as long as we're going to have creatures, we may as well actually have Lovecraftian creatures in this, in this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that that's part's right. I was just talking about the Pretorius metamorphosis throughout the course of the movie. Like, what was the, what was the thought? I wonder what the thought process behind it was. Cause I got some, I got some Kafka metamorphosis vibes from, from the, that situation. It could very well be. It, it might not be. I'm just, I didn't see the movie. So, you know, anyways, moving on to the next thing. Well, the next thing I'd like to thank you, Jerry. So in the beginning of this movie. Oh no. Hold on one second. Go ahead. No, I'm going to do this. Oh, one. you can do this. So one. I'm Go sitting ahead. here. I'm sitting, we're sitting at work and it's like a break. So John starts watching this movie and I have no idea what he's doing. And I'm sitting there editing a podcast and all of a sudden John goes, Oh God. And he starts like almost vomiting at work. Like, like gags, like, vis- like loudly yeah. gags. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, there's maggots on the screen. <laughs> I didn't I, I forgot about those. <laughs> it was like a blue black ground Black maggots and top of the you know, people's names are like Jeffrey Combs, squiggle, squiggle, squiggle. I'm like, oh, fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> I'm leaving that one in there. <sighs> All right. The next one is the bug attack is scary. It's just, it's a swarm of extra dimensional insects that just fly around you slowly eating your skin off in little pieces. And there's nothing you can do about them. They can't swat them off fast enough. The only thing that saves them is Bubba runs in, making a lot more noise and charging into the swarm. So they all go after him mm. and they sweep, strip him to the bone. No, oh, yeah, that scene is horrifying. Did the blue, did the purple speedo get left behind? Uh, by then he's wearing, by then he's actually wearing a shirt. So, oh, so we didn't see the purple speedo. Oh yeah. He doesn't, that. he doesn't die right away real no. fast either. No, no, I'm no sure he, it's terrible. No, cause this is after he goes back to get changed to take everybody out. Yeah. So he's actually put his clothes back on. Tell me another creepy thing. Is this weird pineal glands popping out of people's foreheads in this movie? Cause it looks like a bullet wound. And then it's, you know, the little tongue goes, you know, like squirms around and looks around at people and sees it with the really bad predator vision. <laughs> call, call it what it is. Once you get hit with this thing, you basically get a forehead anus and it <laughs> opens up and a like, eight foot or eight inch tentacle comes out with a little like eye like knob on the end that looks around looking at you. Oh, good. So that's not creepy well, at all. Of course. Then when he finds you, you know, he grabs onto you and sucks your brain out through your eyeball. Yep. Sure. Why not? It's great. <laughs> when Catherine is strapped down and she's about to get electroshock therapy and She's like struggling. The doctor who's doing this young intern is like gleefully like, <laughs> and then they're like, you know, oh no, there's a problem because Crawford escapes. And he's like, ah, he's like, he wants to shock this woman. And he's, oh yeah, he's like sadistically happy about it. And then he leans over and she gets one hand free and grabs onto the overhanging light and just smacks him in the back of the head, cracking his skull. He might be dead too. So, and he deserves it. He's creepy as hell. Fair, fair. All right. What's the last one, John? Is uh, so after she puts dynamite, the mysterious dynamite, 
on the machine and it blows up. She jumps out the window, you know, right behind her is a big action explosion. She falls on the ground and her knee, it looks like it's missing. Like there is a giant oh leg wound in this movie. Like you are never walking again. I am sorry. Yeah. It's, it's a compound leg fracture with the bones sticking out and basically her, her knee sheared off. Okay. It's yeah. The last scene of the movie. It's bad. Sure. All right. Let's move on to John's body count corner. What do we got? Today we have a lovely total of six. It seems reasonable for these mm-hmm. movies. It is pretty reasonable. Yeah. We got uh, Tillingast, Crawford, and Bubba, plus a bunch of the, at least, at least three people at the hospital. But in all the kills in this movie, none of them are like really bloody. Except for Bubba. Even, it's more goopy. Yeah, more goopy. Yeah. Doesn't Pretorius die or does he just go back to the other dimension? Oh, that's what I said. Pretorius, the first oh, one. Okay. Pretorius, yeah. yeah, Pretorius. You don't see Pretorius get killed. You just know something came in and ate his head and took his body out. But even that, it's all like slimy and goopy stuff. Yummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still good. All right. Well, in wrapping this thing up, let's uh, ask Jerry the question. Would you watch this again or are you drinking the horror flavored coffee? Oh, I would drink some coffee and watch this movie again. This is, this is, this is a nostalgia piece for me. This was. You would actually drink coffee to watch. Yes, this I would. Again. I would drink okay. coffee to watch. This is a movie that. When I was in my teens and I had just, I discovered H.P. Lovecraft like seven years before when I was like nine. And I've been waiting to see a horror movie that did a good job of showing Lovecraftian horror. Even Reanimator is like, oh, it's zombies. We've seen zombies before. Right. This is the one that's like, oh, this feels and sounds like an H.P. Lovecraft movie. Oh, I recognize that monster. I recognize that monster. I just want to point out to the listeners out there that I don't know that I would let my nine-year-old child read H.P. Lovecraft. So my, parents, should, my parents that should tell you a lot about Jerry. My parents didn't know I was reading H.P. Lovecraft. I know. When I was not, I, my sister was seven years older than me. So she had a bunch of, she had her own books and novels and stuff like that. So I was reading Steve, I would just sneak upstairs and read, you know, I was like seven years old and I snuck upstairs and read her Stephen King books and that kind of stuff. I just... I grab whatever I get my hands on and read. I mean, at nine, I was going to Blackbuster getting Friday the 13th. There you go. I'm, yeah. I mean, Friday the 13th is far less, it's far more tame than H, some of the H.P. Lovecraft stuff. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about body horror and, and cosmic terribleness and the nine, thing, nine year old with no restriction on the Blackbuster card. <laughs> the thing about H.P. Lovecraft stories was that they're actually not that graphic. They're all just mood and theme. They are. A lot of stuff happens off screen or is just like in from beyond is just about to happen in the novel from in the short stories from beyond it pretty much ends with crawford running out of the house after telling yes or after Patrice has been killed that's it yeah i guess i guess lovecraft isn't so bad there's just a lot of weird there yeah like dagon's a weird story mm-hmm. the call of cthulhu is a very strange story the shadow yeah. over innsmouth the shadow over innsmouth that, that's the that's the ancestral horror thing like oh your heritage is a problem the creepiest one for me was the tomb the tomb is tomb is terrifying is that the one i'm thinking about with the with the submarine Oh, I oh, was, no. oh, I'm sorry. Which, I was thinking. Which one is that? The, which is the one with the submarine? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. The submarine. No. Where they, where, they, where they find the underground temple? I don't remember that. From I have the whole collection, too, and I've read it all. I don't remember that story at all. Hmm. I will look it up while, you, while right. you're talking. Anyways, while, while, while we're doing that, John, how many cups of coffee would you skip to watch this movie again? Uh, none. <laughs> I would not watch this movie again. Oh, I didn't like it, huh? I, no, well, see, I like this movie. It was fun for being, you know, what it is when I watched, right? But I don't like it enough to ever rewatch this again. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. The temple is the name of the, movie, is the, the short story. Okay. Oh, the temple. The temple. Tomb, temple. Makes yeah. sense. All right. I thought you were talking about the, the thing with the night gaunt that killed, no, that that, killed the guy because <clears throat> they, they, took, they took its thing. Yep. And then he's stalking the other guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very similar. Before we get out of this episode, we'd like to mention a few Facebook groups that let us post our podcast there. And we like to go in there and chat. So if you want to chat with us, it's a good place to go. First one, Jerry? Candyland Night Terrors. Uh, the other one is Horror Hoodlums and Haunting in the Unknown. There we go. Well, we will be back next week with another episode. 
and cup of coffee-flavored horror. Megas, Jerry. Megas. <laughs>